All opinions expressed in this podcast by participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinion of BioVerge, Inc. or its affiliates. The participants' opinions are based upon information they consider reliable, but neither BioVerge or its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied on as such. Nothing contained in and accompanying this podcast shall be construed as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation to purchase any security by BioVerge, its portfolio companies, or any third party. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to the BioVerge podcast with Neil Litton. Neil, we've got Kareem Bargatti on the show today. Who is Kareem? I am incredibly excited to welcome Kareem to the show. Kareem is co-founder and CEO of Vast Biome. Vast Biome is doing some really cool things in the field of, uh, of the microbiome. Um, so they've they've built a, a a deep learning, you know, artificial intelligence uh, platform to really come up with a high throughput way to screen the the, the microbiome to develop novel uh, therapeutics. So, you know, full disclosure, they are a Bioverge portfolio company, but I'm really excited to talk to Kareem about his journey. You know, I think they, they've they approached building the company in sort of what, what is now known as sort of this tech bio way. You know, Kareem is, is not a scientist by training. He he came previously from Google. So, that you know, they have a really interesting cross-disciplinary team uh, and approach to building the company. There was a, a fair bit of excitement about the microbiome probably about 10 years ago. It catalyzed several drug development efforts. Where are we in terms of understanding the microbiome? Yeah, Danny, that's a really good question. I mean, I think we're still in the in the relatively early days of understanding the microbiome and its its interrelation with the with the rest of the body. Um, I mean, it, it certainly plays a a and has a huge influence on everything from uh, how drugs are are metabolized in the gut and the efficacy of specific uh, medicines. Uh, to you know, its role in in wellness and its its role in disease. It has an influence on. There, there's been some research which I, I want to talk to Kareem about, uh, linking the microbiome to the brain and the central nervous system. So I, I think we're starting to understand that the microbiome plays a large role in human health and disease. And by modifying the microbiome, you can modify uh, wellness and hopefully modify uh, diseases within the body. There's such a big landscape here to unravel and learn about. Vastbiome is using AI to help map and understand the microbiome. How do you think AI changes that challenge? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, and, and we'll talk to Kareem about this, but my understanding is they're doing this in a much more methodical, systematic approach than what has done in the past. And that it's really being powered by big data. And so you need this sort of advanced AI discovery platform that they've built, machine learning, to ingest and understand the complex uh, interrelationship between the vast amount of data that they're they're ingesting into the system. So they're not just looking at the 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 the, the bugs within the gut, but they're actually looking at the genetic signatures of those bugs. And I think in order to, to amass and understand and interpret all that data, it really needs to be powered by this AI discovery engine that, that Vast Biome has built. 
So I, I am excited to talk to Kareem about, uh, about, about the specific inputs and outputs of that system. What else are you hoping to hear from him today? Yeah, you know, I, I'm always really interested in, in the founding story. So I'm, I'm interested in Kareem's inspiration for starting Vast Biome, uh, interested to hear about how, how their approach to building a therapeutics pipeline is different from a more traditional biotech company. Um, you know, they, they very much are a, a, a platform technology, not a single asset uh, biotech company. So I, you know, I want to dive into you know, Kareem's point of view about what, what that means to him. Well, if you're ready, let's do it, Danny. Hi, Kareem. I'd like to welcome you to the show today and say a big thank you for joining us. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm really excited to, to chat with you today. Uh, so we are going to talk about the vast biome, uh, how you are studying the microbiome of the human gut and how this can lead to new biomarkers and potential therapies. I'd like to start with the microbiome itself, just so our listeners are all on the same page. So for, for those who are not familiar with the microbiome, Kareem, could you maybe just sort of at a high level describe what we mean when we talk about the microbiome? Yes. Uh, another way to think about it is the gut bacteria. And so the microbiome as a whole is associated with many different types of bacteria around the in and on our bodies. But specifically for what vast biome is focused on is looking at the gut. Uh, people might be surprised to know that you have roughly three to six pounds of bacteria living inside of your gut. And this bacteria has been connected into with the biology of our, of our, our the host, the, uh, the, the, your, your body. And basically, a hundred and trillion microorganisms are cohabitating. Just to give perspective, the amount of DNA and genes of the microbiome is a hundred times greater than the human DNA. So there's a lot going on, and it's really under, at this point we don't know much about what exactly the microbiome is doing, and that's where the opportunity is to really understand how it's connected to our health. To a little more examples, it's actually there've been a lot of great papers showing that your health and that the gut is actually associated with neurological disorders, gastrointestinal, metabolic, immune, and the list really goes on. And then there's a lot of talk in the news now how gut health is connected to a lot of different has a lot of implications on our overall health. So you'll see a lot of probiotics in stores today that are saying promote your gut and you know take these pills. And those products are meant to restore the health of your gut. And a healthy gut can lead to all kinds of benefits, which I'm happy to talk about. And Kareem, there are so many points there that I, I want to dive into throughout our conversation. Um, the, you know, the, the, the microbiome is still sort of a relatively nascent field within biology. As you mentioned, there's been a, a lot of emerging research over the past decade linking the microbiome to both wellness and disease. But in, in terms of where we are in the trajectory of understanding the microbiome, I mean, how well understood do you think we, uh, we are today in terms of understanding the function of the microbiome and, and how it interacts with the rest of the body? Yes, I know that's that's the question that is being asked constantly, even today. After all, in the last decade, I would say we've seen the most advancements in trying to get a grasp of how the microbes are affecting human health. Uh, but again, a hundred trillion organisms that have coexisted with humans since the beginning of human life, yet we know really really not much about them and how they're supporting our health or how they could be damaging our health. And so there's a lot of research from academics and industry now who are trying to connect the dots, uh, yet. It's still early days, to be honest, 
but the, because of a lot of the great research in terms whether they're doing mouse studies or doing even uh, patients, they're uh, studying what type of microbiome profile they have, what bacteria lives in them, and comparing different types of patients' profile to see what's, what's the difference there. Uh, there's some good correlations at the moment, but the causation factor is still early on, and, and that's a big question that the field is trying to address. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, so in cancer, you have uh, patients who are being treated specifically for immunoncology drugs, uh, checkpoint therapies, and there are roughly 20, 30 percent of the population is responding well to those treatments. And this other 70, 80 percent, they don't have a great uh, response. And why is that? And there are a lot of factors, of course. But one common uh, factor we've identified, and the field has identified a number of papers that have shown this, is that there tends to be a different type of profile of bacteria living in uh, patients that respond well to the treatment and those that don't respond. So then they took that, op that opportunity to study further. Like, what if we took the microbiome profile of those patients who responded well and actually transplanted into a patient that didn't respond well? What would happen? And lo and behold, in the, literally this past this, this year, we've seen the studies come out that those non-responders are starting to convert to responders. And the only difference is just changing their microbiome profile. So it's really amazing to see what is going on there. How is it working? These questions are not answered yet, but we're knowing, we're, we're realizing there is a connection. And one of, short, another example is in obesity. They've done a very famous mouse model where you have these obese mice with their gut profile, and then you have these skinny mice. And all they did was uh, transplant the, the microbiome profile from the obese to the skinny, vice versa. And then you start seeing a conversion of the, the, the skinny mouse starts becoming obese and the obese mouse starts becoming skinny. Why is their metabolism changing just because their microbiome profile is changing? So there's a lot of these, these connections. It's still early on. The last one I'll tell you about is my personal story and why I'm actually building VastBio. Uh, one, one of the reasons why. Uh, but I, I, I suffer with a severe case of eczema. And I've gone to all the best doctors you can think of, all types of doctors, from immunology to gastroenterology, dermatology, and so on. And they couldn't give me any answers of how to, why the last couple of years my skin has gotten really cha uh, challenged. And so I went to a naturopath doctor and we talked about the gut and these microbes. And we, in, the, in over a year's time, we changed the diet. We tried to give some probiotics. We, we tried all different kinds of things to change my gut health. And I'm about 80% recovered from what I used to be, uh, how bad it used to be. So there's definitely something going on. And the question is how and what is it doing? And that's where vast volume was trying to focus, specifically on not the, just the microbes, but the molecules that the microbes make are the starting point for really understanding the interactions between the gut and the human health. It's, 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 it's really quite fascinating and quite amazing. Um, I, I want to dive into a, a point that you mentioned. I mean, it's, it's really interesting that the, the safety and efficacy of, of, of medicines seem like they can be affected by the microbiome. How much variation is there in the microbiome of uh, individual to individual? Yes. So even before you're born, when you're still in your mother's womb, you know, your mom's microbiome is already influencing your 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 gut composition uh and so how what kind of foods and environmental factors she has uh there's a lot of factors what i'm trying to get is environmental factors the living conditions the diet all will influence your gut uh composition and profile comparing you or to your friends even your neighbors can have a different profile just by just by how you're living and your, your different habits and so once you're born you have the first three years of your life you don't have a fully uh 
a strong foundation for a gut. It's still being developed in the early days. And so based on how you are, your lifestyle changes, uh, you'll see, cha uh, you'll see uh, differences in your, your gut profile. Now, it's not, it's stable, it's a stable uh, gut profile, yet it can change pretty quickly depending on the, the differences you do in your, uh, your habits. For example, for myself, I told you, when I, I changed my living lifestyle choices, my gut profile changed within a six month period. So there's a lot of differences, yet there's a lot of commonalities that you can, and that's the goal, is trying to figure out what are the commonalities that are driving specific phenotypes in different patient populations. So Kareem, I, I want to circle back to um, what you're what you're doing at Vast Biome, and and you know part of your inspiration for for starting Vast Biome sounds like it was born out of a, a very personal nature, right? Trying to come up with a, a better treatment to combat your your your, your eczema. Um, could you talk a little bit about sort of the 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 history of Vast Biome, your inspiration for starting it, uh, and and sort of where you are today in, in terms of uh, the, the platform that you're building? Absolutely. So uh, a little background. I, I don't come from the traditional scientific background myself, uh, but I've always had, had undergrad biology and always passionate about the intersection of health and technology. I spent most of my career in the commercial space and at Google, actually, most of my time. Uh, but then I you know, found this awesome opportunity to join a fellowship in Houston, Texas at the Texas Medical Center. And that's where they put together a, a team through something called a biodesign program, which actually Stanford, the, the group that coined that, uh, that program. And essentially it takes four individuals with complementary, complementary skill sets and they, with science, medicine, business, and computer science. And you have the opportunity to go look for unmet needs in healthcare. So great opportunity. You haven't met your team members, but hopefully things work out. That's always a tricky part in the beginning. Uh, but in Houston, People sometimes are not aware it is the largest medical center community ecosystem in the country. You have over 60 institutions and you have some of the top institutions in, in the world from MD Anderson and cancer, Baylor College of Medicine, and the list goes on. So in this program, we spent a year looking for unmet needs and we learned just across the street from us at MD Anderson that the gut microbiome is influencing cancer, just as I spoke to you about in the papers that came out. So with our backgrounds uh, in pathology, computational biology, data science, and the business side, we thought, well, there's a lot of interesting opportunities to analyze the gut. The current tools are not necessarily giving us the best understanding of what's going on in our gut. Most of these open source tools are giving a lot of false positives of what's actually in your gut. So you're not, you don't even know what you're looking at, and you're running all these analyses, hoping to come out with a potential drug or insights that can lead to you know, different health applications. And so what inspired us, aside from my personal story, is all the team members came together because of the opportunity it was very interesting. We all had great, uh, great careers in the past, but we wanted to build something meaningful and something that resonated with our personal stories. And so with Vast Buy and what we're doing now, if you fast forward, it's been about three and a half years since then, is that we have built an end-to-end -end drug discovery pipeline, which is essentially from collecting patient samples directly from uh, clinical collaborators and ingesting it and curating it into this computational pipeline that starts with the bioinformatics side. So step one, try to figure out what's actually in your gut. Step two, can you predict which signatures, metabolomics, metagenomics, metatranscriptomics, and the clinical data all, all wrapped in together to figure out what is your question you're asking? So one case is we wanna know whether a patient is gonna respond or not respond to cancer treatment. And so what is the difference in patients responding versus not responding in terms of their gut profile? So once you create that list, then you want to go into 
okay, now we have this list of genes that are coming from those bugs. And I, I say this, it's actually very critical. Majority of the field is focused on looking at the, the species level or the strain level of what bacteria matter in your body. But if you can get down to the, the gene, you'll have a lot more confidence in what you're looking at. Most of those papers that have been published have spoken about various different types of uh, bacteria that are relevant to different health conditions. But in many cases, the common denominator is the genes. So when we decide what genes matter, we can then predict, and then we start, we start working with them. And so we actually express those genes, getting to the actual molecule that those genes are making. And those molecules are the starting point for trying to understand how they interact with the biology of the patient. And so our goal is to build out with our data that we're ingesting at a large scale from collaborators and through private, uh, private and public uh, data access, as well as computationally making the predictions and then going through our in vitro and uh, experimental work to, to make sure that we know what we're looking at. We can understand back to the first point in, the, in terms of function, what these molecules are actually doing. And so that could be your starting point. Think about it as a natural product drug discovery company. That's really what we are. Well, while there's been so much medicine that's been uh, created in the natural product space from plants and the deep ends of the ocean, uh, you know, the famous one everyone talks about is penicillin, you know, over the last century, but we haven't thought about the gut as a natural product source. And this is our chance now with the, the, the technologies of the, geno uh, the genetic sequencing and metabolomics resources uh, technologies, we can now actually figure out what's happening in our gut. So we want to create this understanding of the gut and uh, how it's all connected to our health but also identify these uh, genetic signatures and metabolomic signatures that could be starting points for biomarkers and therapies. So Kareem, there, there's uh, so much to dive into there. I, I want to go back to sort of the, the, the founding story of Vast Bio, because I, I, I love this, right? I mean, you, you brought together really a cross-disciplinary team of folks and you, you built Vast Biome in the spirit of, you know, what we call today sort of a, a you know, a tech bio company. And I think this is this is still relatively uh, a relatively new term. Uh, you know, I, I've talked about this before on the podcast with with other guests, but I, I'd love your point of view in terms of you know how you're going about building Vast Biome. You know, do you consider yourself a, a tech bio company? What does that mean to you? How do you fit in sort of the broader ecosystem? And, and how are you different than a, a traditional biotech that are that are developing therapies? Yeah, no, good, great question. It's funny because this term tech bio has really been building up in the last couple of years, I would say. Uh, when we first started our company, we didn't know what that term meant. We actually thought we coined it internally, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I come from a tech world so, and my colleagues are, you know, engineers as well. So we thought this would be fun to use just to flip it. And then uh, and then there's, a, I forget, one of these venture firms that uh, started that actually branded it, that this is a tech bio field. It's growing. And, and really, to us, uh, the way we think about tech bio and, you know, essentially how we fit in, you know, Looking back to, again, natural product discovery, in many cases, have been accidental discoveries. We did not have a systematic approach or an engineered approach to basically standardize the process of how we find drugs. In many cases, for example, in cancer, because that's what we're focusing on right now, 50% of the drugs in the market today are sourced from natural products. And a lot of times, we have no idea what the, the biology is behind it. We just know it works. And so that's not the best way to spend your time in trying to find the next big drug because there's a lot of serendipity if you may uh, it's serendipitous in terms of how you discover these drugs uh so the tech bio in our opinion is an opportunity to what if we create a systematic approach 
you create a process uh, and you have, and, and specifically we target specifically on, uh, around the microbiome space, the early days of the microbiome companies saw small patient populations and looked at different types of uh, commonalities across those patients, ran mouse models, and they saw, oh, that looks interesting. And that's what we're going to go after and make a drug. So we kind of expedited the process to think that we, are, we know what the drugs could be without really understanding why and how it's happening. And so you can be, definitely there's been great wins that way. And we hope those types of approaches still can be, continue to be successful because we need the field to advance as a whole. But a tech bio, in our opinion, is more like you always hear the platform companies where you're not going to focus on a particular asset, uh, you, but you're really going to bet on your technology is going to be fruitful in producing all kinds of uh, uh, pi uh, pipeline of therapeutic potentially potential candidates, and then you can continuously leverage a systematic approach. And in our case, we use, of course, you know, deep learning and AI tools to predict which genes matter and what molecules are they producing. Uh, you really want to map out the entire microbiome, and you have to use AI to do that. It's way too much information to really try to do on your own uh, manually. And then we also use synthetic biology. Synthetic biology, there's you know, great companies like Ginkgo have shown how much advancements you can use in terms of manipulating these bugs to do what you want. Well, we're also using it in a self-free approach. Our, our key value is we don't want to have to work with bugs anymore, but we rather use uh, this, just the DNA and know what it does and then get to the molecule directly. So it's in synthetic biology, the data science approaches, uh, and then the standardized process of from the, the high sequencing uh, technology that we use as well to know what's in our gut. In many cases, groups have looked at the same sample and derived completely different conclusions, patient samples, sorry, stool samples, conclusions, because they don't have a systematic approach. So for us, we are 100% focused on let's build out the foundation and really know what's going on in our gut. And then over time, we can start picking some winners to advance our, our discovery pipeline. Kareem, actually, that, that's a great segue into your discovery pipeline. You know, you're working on developing potential therapies. I'm really curious about the, the inputs into your machine learning platform, VBX1. Are you, are you seeking samples from people with specific diseases to gain better insights into those conditions or to potentially identify novel targets or therapies? You know, it's, there's the age old saying, right? Garbage in, garbage out. What, what, what is, what is the, the, the data that you are putting into the system to come up with valuable outputs from the system? Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started, you know, you're trying to be very lean, you have no cash and you're just trying to think of how can I get involved in this space? And we thought, well, let's go to the public domain and try to understand what data is available. And the data to us uh, is your, the patient's stool samples. So we actually start with a specific patient indication, like a specific uh, health indication in terms of what is there, in our example is non-small cell lung cancer patients who are being treated with checkpoint therapy. We wanna know why that 20, 30% are responding well and what's the, why the others are not. So we look at their stool to get an idea of their gut composition. We look at their clinical metadata to understand what's their clinical history. Have they been taking antibiotics? Because if that's the case, you wipe out your entire gut and that's not really helpful. Uh, and then we look at the blood. We wanna see what are different uh, multiomic signatures in the blood that may be driving some type of phenotype. So it's stool, metadata, blood, uh, and metabolomics, metagenomics, metatranscriptomics across the board, all that needs to come together to start laying out the, the map to understand what are the associations. So VBX1 
first step again is to understand how are all these different biological uh, signatures connected. And then from there, we can uh, go into a specific indication uh, and we say, okay, our question in our, in our success so far with checkpoint patients, I'll give one example, the, we looked at, can you predict primarily by looking at the microbiome, the gut profile of these patients, why they responded and why they didn't? What is the difference between responders and non-responders? We found particular genetic signatures and then we thought, okay, those are from the public data. Well, then we ran our own study with our own patient samples through one of our collaborators. And we found that using the same model that we built off of that public data from these multiple different patient uh, cohorts, we were able to predict with almost 80% of accuracy whether or not you're gonna respond to checkpoint therapy. Now, this is still early. It's by the end of 300 patients. And to that point, we're trying to actually do, uh, we're gonna be announcing soon a very large study that will give us a much more confidence in our uh, predictions because we're going to have much more larger data set we're going to be uh, collecting. So we start with the uh, prediction of a biomarker as a companion diagnostic and whether or not you'll respond to checkpoint therapy. But even uh, take it a little further, the signatures we find, we want to understand what molecules they're making. And so we've identified when we knock down those genes of those uh, particular microbes, the phenotype in an in vitro setting changes quite significantly in regards to what type of immune cells are activated. So we know, I like to think of it as, think of the genes as blueprints. And these genetic blueprints, and I give credit to my colleague Peter for coming up with this. I, I, we, the genetic blueprints are essentially a way to understand how to make the molecule that the genes produce. Once you have, and that's what I think of, we, we think of as the needle in the haystack. Now you have the needle, you actually have the tool to figure out what is it, what's the driver? But we still don't know how it works. So then what we've been able to do is say, okay, well, this gene matters. And we actually produced what the molecule makes. And then we look in an in vitro setting, what if we knock down the gene? And the, 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 the immunological associations changed quite rapidly. And then we've also been able to use those genes and molecules and run assays. So the last piece of our, our pipeline is running these functional characterization assays. We need to know what these molecules actually do in a biological setting. We have a number of assays, 312 data points per molecule to really understand how is it connected to the health outcomes. Uh, and so when we did this, one of our uh, case studies we talked about is we found a gene in connecting to cancer patients that produced a molecule that is associated in the cancer immunotherapy space. And then we identified a novel target directly tied to that molecule. So in, in a cancer setting. So it's exciting to see that. But other than that, we've seen multiple what we call rediscoveries, where there's a number of clinical trials right now in the live biotherapeutic space for cancer drugs, and they're doing combinational therapies or monotherapies. And the genes we've discovered as our top 100 favorite clusters, gene clusters, out of the hundreds of thousands in your gut, show up more than 50% of the time. So it's exciting to see that we know where we know where to look. Now you have to figure out what to do with that information. Kareem, there, there's um, there, there's one thread that I want to pull on just to make sure that that I'm understanding things correctly and to clarify for our listeners. So there, there's a lot of potential with what what you're doing. Part of it seems, if I'm understanding correctly, is in a in a as a as a diagnostic, as you mentioned, a companion diagnostic. So you could actually take a sample from a, a, a patient who's being who would potentially be treated with a checkpoint inhibitor. Before they're treated, you could analyze their microbiome and you could then predict a priori before they're treated with the drug, whether they are likely to respond or not respond. 
So to me, that, I mean, that's, that's fascinating, right? I mean, you could save, I think you had mentioned that only 30% of patients respond to checkpoint inhibitors. If you could correctly identify that patient population ahead of time, I mean, my goodness, you know, I mean, all these cancer therapies have horrendous side effects. So if you could save patients from taking a drug that you know is not going to work for them, I mean, that's, that's a huge opportunity there. So I just, I want to make sure that that, that, that sounds like it's one part of the story. And then the next part of the story would be you could actually come up with novel therapeutics that could be combined with a checkpoint inhibitor to increase the efficacy of those checkpoint inhibitors in, in patients who might not otherwise respond. Am I categorizing that correctly? Yeah, that, that's correct. You know, we think about the biomarker approach as the, the first step to get to the drug. Uh, we, but we're not a diagnostic company, but we can use that that tool as a starting point to make sure that these diagnoses, these biomarkers can actually lead you to drugs. So let's use it as a, we like, like a stress test, make sure that you know that these biomarkers are truly valuable and relevant. And then you can start understanding, okay, well, tell, let's learn more about this cluster of genes and the molecules that come from this gene micro, what does it do? Then you can advance towards it, the, the therapeutic side. Uh, and to your point in terms of, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in the diagnostic side. There are companies who are looking at not just stool, but even your blood as a liquid biopsy company, but specifically the microbial DNA from the gut and the metabolites in your gut that flow into your bloodstream. And from there, you can start diagnosing early on, predicting early signs of cancer because the, the profile of the tumor uh, in terms of the bacteria is different across different parts of your body. So knowing what microbes there are is a great starting point to, for diagnostics. But then you can lead that towards, well, what are these, these genes and these metabolites actually doing? And that's where we go into the therapeutic side. So let, let's talk about that for a minute. So wh where are you in terms of building out a, a therapeutics pipeline? Yes. Yeah, so we are, we've done a number of these proof of concept to see, are we finding relevant genetic signatures that could be uh, immunomo immunomodulatory? And so that, that's been great. We've also done some strong in vitro work. Uh, to show that we can find these genetic signatures that are relevant. We have not done the animal studies yet. Uh, the way we approach our, 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 our company is we don't want to put a lot of eggs into our uh, you know, one basket and up front because we believe that the microbiome is challenged by not having standardized data, not having a real understanding of what the map looks like. So where we are today is in the next year or two, we're going to be establishing the, a clinically annotated chemical library that is directly associated with specific phenotypes of interest and that we've sourced and produced from the, the gut. For perspective, 70% of the bacteria in your gut we cannot isolate or culture, we can't actually use. But through our approach, we can access 100% of the gut's genes. And so by doing this, then you can produce the molecules and annotate them. And within that, at that point, you have a very valuable chemical library as a starting point for drug discovery. So we're really focusing on the platform build out right now with early signs of directions in the checkpoint therapy space of where we want to move forward. And so obviously checkpoint therapy space is, is in the oncology or can cancer setting. Uh, we've talked a little bit about that. There, there has been some interesting emerging research linking the microbiome to the brain and the central nervous system, which I actually found surprising. Well, can you maybe give a little perspective on, on the, that latest body of research? Is your, your, uh, your immediate and longer-term focus specifically within cancer, or do you see opportunities in, in other areas? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's really fascinating what's happening in the brain as well. So we, we're focusing right now in a checkpoint area space because of 
our resources and our, our, our support team and all the data that's already been out there. So that's our starting point. We got to prove ourselves first. Uh, but there is, we want to be disease agnostic over time, which is where we can reproduce our work across different disease areas. And so in the brain and in the neuro, not neurological disorders, there's really been a lot of great literature showing the connection of how the gut influences your brain. It's actually, you've probably heard this many times before, but the, the gut is considered the second brain. Uh, and so well, what does it actually mean? So your gut and your brain might not be located very close to one another, right? However, they are connected. There's actually the nervous system. So the, specifically the vagus nerve that's associated with millions of these nerves that are sp communicating between your gut and your brain. And so they're sending signals and that the gut focus in, in terms of the gastrointestinal uh, efforts is to understand the inflammation of your gut and it's driving different triggers to signal it to your brain to let you know that something's wrong in your gut. And when that happens, it actually can trigger your, your, your brain to have a psychological effect. So a lot of mood swings, swings occur. You know, people call about being hangry. There's a reason why your mood changes when you're not fed, your gut is not happy. And so a lot of also digestive issues occur in the gut, but also it basically breaks down how your gut is, uh, is absorbing the, the nutrients and how the brain needs to feed, use that to feed the body. So some areas I think is very compelling are in the psychological space. Uh, uh, there's groups of people who are taking CBT to actually help calm their nerves and to calm down. And that's actually ingested in the brain, uh, sorry, in the gut first, and then it signals to the brain. Uh, autism is a really exciting area where it's not necessarily going to cure autism at the moment if you can figure out what the microbiome is doing, but it might reduce the symptoms, the comorbidities that occur. 70% of these uh, autistic children have a lot of digestive issues. Well, why does the 30% not have that? They have a change and a difference in their gut. Even Parkinson's, some great work is happening there to understand how can we reduce these comorbidities that occur with uh, the symptoms that occur with uh, patients who have these uh, neurological uh, disorders. So mental health, autism, anxiety, it all is connected to how you treat your gut. It's, it's really fascinating uh, just how much is tied to the, the microbiome. Um, I, I, I want to change gears just for a minute and, and talk a little bit about your business model. Your understanding the pipeline is still very uh, early. Um, and without giving anything away, what do you see as sort of the business plan going forward? Are you looking to develop therapies, move them into the clinic yourself? Uh, are you looking to seek partnerships, some combination thereof? What, what, what is your vision going forward? Yes. And, and the, the short answer is that today, you know, things as a startup, you have to evolve based on the, the, the science you have and things that as you adapt over time, you have a better understanding what direction you need to take. But today we like to say that we're not going to bet most of the risk up front on, our, on ourselves. Uh, we want to work with a number of different collaborators who are the experts in clinical development and, and drug development to help us support the discoveries that we're doing uh, in-house. So in the short term, we're using the partnership approach specifically to help us validate our technology and, and continuously build out a pipeline. But in parallel, uh, we are now starting to identify what therapeutic areas do we want to keep in-house completely? And at one point, we'll be able to, we, our goal as a vast biome, as a parent company, is going to be going to up to phase one, 
we want to show phase one validation, and then we want to have these, uh, just like the bridge bio uh, or the Roy Vance of the world, the, the hub and spoke model. We, you know, it's not easy to do. There's a lot of challenges with it, but we'd like to investigate and explore, is that an angle that we can take for therapeutic areas that are, might not be, that are going to be developed in the clinic? We'd like to bring on the experts to handle that part. Now, so we are a therapeutics first company. Uh, now, one piece that, we're, you know, it's still early, but over time, over time, you know, what can you do with all this knowledge that you've gained from the microbiome and you've truly mapped it out, you know, if you can get to that point, you can unlock so many applications and VastBiome cannot take on all those applications. So our hope is, you know, in 10 years from now, maximum 10 years from now, when you go to your doctor, you should be able to get a question to take your blood test and your stool test. And so the insights that come out of that, it won't be VastBiome giving you that readout but it will be powered by VastVime Insights that these other companies can leverage our technology to develop those products. So we're the back end of the microbiome space. And so starting with therapeutics is where we're going to be our core business, but we're getting a lot of interest in a lot of groups saying, you guys know how the gut is working or at least trying to figure it out. Can we leverage, piggyback on what you've developed and we'll go do our own products and then you can piggyback on getting access to our data. So it's a data exchange in the end. So therapeutic first, but then really wanting to unlock the entire microbiome space to all researchers across. It's, it's very cool. I, I, as you were talking, I couldn't help think about, you know, the, the Intel inside model. It's like, you know, fast forward 10 years, it's like vast biome inside, but you're powering the, the engine for, for a lot of this, uh, a lot of this stuff that, that that's uh, coming, coming, you know, as you said, probably within the next 10 years, if, if not, uh, you know, well before that. Um, Kareem, we could probably talk for the next two or three days about uh, these topics, but uh, I, I do want to be conscientious of your time. For for those who want to learn more about uh, what you're doing at, at Vast Biome, what, what, where, where can they go learn more, maybe get in touch with you um, and, and and just sort of uh, even even learn more about the microbiome space as, as a whole? Yeah, no, I mean, so uh, definitely our website's the first place to go. It's in, in terms of who we are. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can always uh, email me directly. It's K-A-R-E-E-M at vastbiome.com. Uh, or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. We're trying to be a little more active there. Uh, but yeah, that's the easiest way to connect with us. And there's, uh, in terms of literature, you know, there's really a lot of sources that you can go to. You go into Google, you'll find a lot of great content on. It's kind of like see concerning because sometimes it's not very accurate information. But I think it's uh, talking to different groups and understanding how the gut is affecting your health. Everyone should have some level of knowledge, whether you're in the research field or you're just a consumer trying to take care of yourself. So I highly encourage everyone to try that out and you'll be very surprised to see what's happening in your gut. Go take a test and, and you'll, you'll might be very interested to see that. I think I'm going to go sign up for one tomorrow. Uh, well, Kareem, thank you so much for uh, a really great conversation and uh, re really enjoyed having you on the show today. Great. Thank you very much, Neil. Have a great day. Well, Neil, what did you think? I thought that was a great wide ranging conversation with Kareem. I mean, I, I, in fact, learned a lot about the microbiome and just, I mean, just, the, just the number of cells uh, and bacteria that the human body has uh, just, just dwarfs the number of um, cells that are nascent to the, to the human body, right? Human cells um, are far outnumbered by uh, bacterial cells and, and the microbiome. So that, you know, that, that is fascinating. Uh, you know, the variation uh, between individuals uh, of, of the microbiome and, and the gut and how that can potentially affect how drugs are metabolized, the safety and efficacy profile. You heard Kareem talk about 
you know, the, the early days of being able to change the microbiome to make checkpoint inhibitors, uh, you know, more efficacious, uh, to even use the microbiome as a diagnostic tool to understand whether a patient would respond to a checkpoint inhibitor ahead of giving them that drug. I mean, that stuff is just really fascinating. Well, it's interesting to to hear that they started with the checkpoint inhibitors to see if they could find microbiome signals in the gut to detect differences between responders and non-responders. He characterized that as a small study, 300 patients, but what implications do you think that would have for the potential direction of this technology? Oh, I, I think it's it's huge. I mean, Kareem sort of downplayed the diagnostic approach because uh, you know at the at, at at their core, they're they are developing therapeutics. But I think that the diagnostic you know potential here is is enormously powerful. Right? If you can identify if a patient's going to respond to a, a particular drug a priori, uh, that 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 has huge implications. Uh, not not just in terms of you know market potential, but in terms of uh, huge implications for the patient at the end of the day, right? I mean, if, if only 30% of patients respond to a given cancer treatment, right, that means 70% are experiencing all these dramatic side effects. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about cancer medications, these side effects are, are, are terrible. And so if you could save 70% of patients from having to deal with and take, you know, medications that you know aren't going to be effective for them, I mean, that that is just a, enormous um, enormous potential right there. And then, of course, you know, what Kareem was really focused on is the therapeutic potential of what they're doing. So if you could actually pair, you know, what, you know, a future drug from Vasbiome with a checkpoint inhibitor and increase the efficacy of the patients and go from a 30% response rate to a 70% response rate and have these drugs be more uh, efficacious to a larger percentage of patients, I mean, that's a game changer as well. So, you know, the, the, there is enormous potential here you know, we are still in the very early days, right? We're still collecting data. We need to run, you know, human clinical trials to prove all this out. But the early signals are are really powerful. You think about genes and you think about blood, but what's the potential for using the microbiome to bring about an era of precision medicine? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think very much so. I mean, you, you heard Kareem talk about the the individuality of of the microbiome and how much it can vary from individual to individual. You know, we heard him talk a little bit about his experience taking probiotics, right, to to try to combat his eczema. And so, I, you know, I think there, there's a lot of people. Obviously, the probiotics market is huge these days, and and so whether you're trying to uh, you know, prevent or reverse, you know, some, some sort of chronic disease or whether you're doing it to just increase the sort of, you know, health and, and wellness, um, there, there's, there's potential there, you know, obviously what, what vast biome is, is focused on is, is, is developing therapeutics to target, you know, specific diseases, but, you know, again, the, the field is still relatively young, but there's an increasing amount of literature coming out of both academia and the and, and industry that is supporting the role of the microbiome in terms of how it interacts to uh, it, it, both in terms of wellness and disease within the body. He seems to want to move very deliberately about building a pipeline. What did you make of his approach? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a valid approach. You know, I, I really... You know, one of the things that we like to buy words, you know, before we invested in, in the company was this idea of the, the platform, right? And, and not not betting too heavily on any single asset, but really bu- you know, like building the core technology. Obviously, you need proof of concept with a with a lead candidate, but then being able to sort of, you know, rinse and repeat, you know, once you have established that proof of concept, once you have established that the pipeline works, uh, you, you know, the idea is that you can spit out new drugs over time, but, you, that, you know, really focusing on the core foundation of the the, the platform technology to me is really exciting. Um, and, and to me, that is part of what makes them this, this p- puts them in this category of tech bio. He talked about a, 
a kind of evolving business model with an early focus on partnering and establishing drug and establishing partnerships with experienced drug development companies while keeping certain therapeutic areas in-house completely. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of different directions they could go. You know, obviously they want to play to their core strengths, right? Their core strengths are not going to be, you know, r- running, you know, clinical trials across a variety of disease indications, right? They, they, they are, they are really focused on the early stages on coming up with, with novel, uh, novel drugs, you know, advancing them towards the clinic. But I, I think the partnership strategy makes a lot of sense. You know, they are still a startup. You know, they're not going to be able to do all of these things in parallel. So the more they can sort of prove out and validate their early therapeutic uh, pipeline, you know, partner that and then focus on one or two key areas. I, I, you know, I think from a business perspective, it makes a ton of sense. They're certainly not alone in looking at the microbiome. Uh, I suspect there's a bit of a, a race here. What do you think it'll take to be successful in, in this area? Uh, I think it'll really take uh, clinical studies, right? More data proving out that what we're seeing in, you know, preclinical models, animal models uh, will actually translate to the clinic, right? I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. So I think the first wave of what we're seeing in terms of the microbiome are a lot of the probiotics and and things like that. But, you know, we need to we need to run well-controlled clinical trials to, you know, establish, uh, you know, the the there there and to and to make sure that these things work as we think they'll work. And so that you know that that will take time. Well, until next time. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for listening. The BioVerge podcast is a product of BioVerge Inc., an investment platform that funds visionary entrepreneurs with the aim of transforming healthcare. BioVerge provides access and enables everyone to invest in highly vetted healthcare startups on the cutting edge of innovation. From family offices and registered investment advisors to accredited and non-accredited individuals. To learn more, go to BioVerge.com. This podcast is produced for BioVerge by the Levine Media Group. Music for this podcast is provided courtesy of the Jonah Levine Collective.